Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. up a shout of praise for Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the name above all names, the battle is His. How cool is it that we have a God who cannot be exaggerated, amen? Hey, will you guys stay standing for a few moments because all week I have prayed for a legacy revelation for you. I did not ask your permission, I just went ahead and did it because how many know there is a difference between information and revelation. Information from a sermon makes you smarter, but revelation from heaven makes you more like Jesus and clicks not just here, but somewhere deep in here and begins to transform you from the inside out. A revelation that you were made on purpose for a purpose. A revelation that your very existence is a scientific miracle. A revelation that you are, you are God's masterpiece, the pinnacle of his creation. And if you think the starry night sky or the Rocky Mountains are amazing, I'm telling you that pales in comparison to what God feels when he looks at you. You are, you are uniquely gifted and strategically placed. And there is a reason you want your life to matter. It's because you have a God who made no mistake when he made you. And he made you to make a difference that will outlive your life. There's a reason you want to leave a legacy. You should want to leave a legacy. And that's why I have prayed for a legacy revelation for you all week. You should want to live a life that outlives yours. And so let's pray. God, we pray for a legacy revelation. Do what a sermon cannot do. We just give you permission right now to disrupt our lives today and go straight to the deepest, most hidden spaces and places in our hearts and speak this revelation into existence, God. We love you so much and we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, lift up a shout of praise. Make some noise if you're happy to be alive. And let's keep that going and welcome everybody watching this online and show some love for our three God Behind Bars locations. My goodness. I hope you know how loved you are in this church. Well, you can give away one wink and then you can be seated. It's so good to see you guys. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in Acts chapter five. And while you're turning there, I'll just give you a little bit of context. The book of Acts is a history book about the beginning of the church, this global, unstoppable movement of grace that has snowballed throughout the centuries. Because right after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, you guys, something happened, and something took, and something shifted deep in the hearts of all the apostles. 
It was like from that moment on, nothing would ever be the same again. It was a, it was a Shania Twain moment. From that moment on, Jesus is back from the dead. And if that's true, we now are living in a new era. And they started preaching boldly the gospel and the good news and risking it all to build the kingdom. And to quote Katniss Everdeen, fire started catching even in the face of opposition from the religious leaders and the entire Roman Empire who tried to snuff out the kingdom of God by crucifying its leader on a cross. And now it's just a few months later and they are watching in disbelief and shock and panic as the legacy of Jesus is gaining momentum from beyond the grave. So their next move is to kill the apostles. But right then and there, a Pharisee, a teacher of the law named Gamaliel stands up and addresses the Sanhedrin. And he says this, starting in Acts 5, verse 35. Here we go. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos, I just dare you to try to remember that name right there. Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, building his own kingdom. And about 400 men rallied to him, but he was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and all of that came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean, once again, try to remember that. Judas appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt, but he too was killed and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you to leave these men alone and let them go. And right here is one of my favorite parts in the entire Bible. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. How good is that right there? I want to call this sermon the legacy mentality. The legacy mentality. Let's pray. God, we pray for a legacy mentality. Shut out distractions. Speak to us right now. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, something big, kind of big, happened in my life about eight weeks ago, and here is that something right there. Come on! Oh, look at that. That is my beautiful little girl, Kinsley Jane Weckenman, and she's never going to do anything wrong. Guys, when they say baby number two comes faster than baby number one... They're just trying to help, okay? They are absolutely right, and I experienced this. So it's my secret belief that every guy, every male has this secret fantasy of driving 100 miles an hour to the hospital in the middle of the night with no choice but to run every single red light like it's a James Bond movie. This happened to me eight weeks ago, and Ronnie, I'm gonna be chasing that high for the rest of my life, okay? My God, I like the, the whole ride, I'm just thinking, man, I hope, I hope I see some flashing red, red and blue lights in the rearview mirror, 
Like, my wife's about to have a human in the passenger seat. Escort us to the hospital, officer, right? We get to the hospital at 1.05 a.m., and it's chaos, okay? The doctor's not even there yet, so they're telling Sam not to push. There's, there's, uh, there's nurses just doing their thing like ninjas. It's crazy. They're amazing. My presence could not feel more pointless, okay, in the moment. Sam, my beautiful bride, is screaming, give me the epidural stat right now, but the head nurse just kind of smiles and goes, oh, sweetie, about two hours too late for that. But you got this. You're doing this. You can do it. And it was just so cool to see like 10 female nurses just rally around my wife and say, you've got this. We've got your back. You're doing this. And I just want to give a shout out to women everywhere. (laughs) Women, y'all are amazing. And I am grateful for you for so many reasons. Here's just one, because guys, without women... We would have to give birth. And take it from a guy who's witnessed that twice, I'm not trying to ever do that, okay? As far as I'm concerned, my wife is Wonder Woman, okay? She's better than me, stronger than me, tougher than me. Women, congratulations, you just, you win at life, okay? Congratulations. Church, we got to the hospital at 1.05 a.m. Kinsley was born at 1.19 a.m. And that is why... My hair is noticeably grayer than it was the last time I saw you, and that's not the joke. Oh, Ronnie, call me Sean Johnson. That's the joke. He he loves these jokes. He loves them. Don't worry. Side note, a couple years ago, I was out in this lobby, and this, this young lady runs up to me just crying and gives me the biggest hug and says, your sermons like mean so much to me. And it was a moment, and, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, what an honor. Thank you for sharing that. And then she says, and your book, Transit, changed my life. Will you pray for me? And I, I looked at her and realized, you think I'm Sean. And a big part of me was flattered, because church, we got a good-looking senior pastor, amen? But there was a small part of me that was like, well, I'm 29, though. Sean's almost 60, He loves these jokes. He loves them. Sean, for real, other than being my boss, my pastor, and my friend, I can't even look at you while I say this. Everything about the man that you are offstage is the man that I aspire to be. I love you so much. I look up to you more than you ever know. I'm hugging you after service. And that's why in the lobby, I I just played along. I prayed for her as her senior pastor. I really did. I didn't have the heart to tell her and ruin the moment. And I uh, I signed her copy of Transit and sent her on her way. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Sean Johnson. Get back to the message, pastor. Who said that? I'm as mad as you. I remember holding... Kinsley in the hospital for the very first time thinking, Shania Twain, from this moment on, nothing will ever be the same again. This is going to cost me some gray hair. This is going to cost me a lot of late nights and lost hours of sleep, right? This is going to cost me my my sanity. The first time a, a boy knocks on our door to take her on a date to the movies, God help me. This is going to cost me a wedding, God send angel armies in Jesus' name to help me, right? But it doesn't matter. Take my money, take my hair, take my life. This is now everything. What happened? My life just got divinely disrupted by the legacy 
mentality. Kobe Bryant and his beautiful daughter, Gigi, have been gone now for a year, but their legacy is still here. A legacy is what you leave when you, when you leave. Kobe Bryant coined something called the Mamba mentality, which he defined as a constant quest to be the best version of oneself. That's how he lived his life, and that's why his life has outlived him. And by the way, that has a little bit to do with basketball and a lot to do with being a dad and being a husband and being a friend and being a role model. For him and Gigi at their funeral, the Staples Center was packed with people who were there to mourn and celebrate, not statistics, but stories of two lives that were lived well, and nobody there had to lie or embellish. And that reality gets me. And so this right here is how I define legacy mentality, the constant quest to live a life that outlives you by the power of God for the kingdom of God. Remember Acts 5, what does it say? If it's of human origin or by human effort, eventually, always, always, without exception, it will fade and fail, but... But if it is from God, nothing will be able to stop it. The legacy mentality with the power of God for the kingdom of God. So here we go. The two mantras of the legacy mentality. Are you ready? Two mantras of the legacy. Oh, come on. Are you ready? Two mantras. Here we go. Legacy mentality mantra number one. You just got to work it. You just got to work it. The legacy you leave is intimately intertwined with your relationship with God. Living a life that outlives you requires the power of God working in and through you. So picture the the wake of a passing boat. What happens? The wake, as time goes by, gets smaller and smaller and smaller until eventually it's gone. Okay, now picture the same boat passing by, except this time, as time goes by, the wake somehow gets bigger and bigger and bigger. There's only one word to describe that, and it's the word supernatural, a.k.a. from God. From God, Acts 5.38, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. It will eventually fade, just like a wake. But if it is, somebody say, from God. From God. If it is from God, it's only going to get stronger and you will not be able to stop it. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. So, are you ready for a spiritual golf lesson? Okay. By the way, golf is just, it doesn't get better than golf. Who am I preaching to right now? It's the best game ever, man. You can play your entire life, you get to, to sip a nice cold. Gatorade the whole round, right? And while you drive around in a glorified go-kart, I wish I was there when the golf cart was invented. It was like some dude had an epiphany. Guys, I just figured out how we can take literally all the exercise out of this thing and turn a good sport into the greatest game ever played, right? You get to be outside with your friends in God's creation. You really could make an argument it's more of a spiritual discipline than it is a hobby or a sport. And you can take four shots to get out of the woods, three putt, and still put yourself down for a bogey. Sam knows what I'm talking about because it's not the PGA Tour and nobody cares, right? That brings me to this. This is my new 
this is my new golf club. I'm not sure if you know exactly what you're looking at right now. So let me explain this. This is a Callaway Jaws 60 degree lob wedge. And you guys, I'm telling you, golf clubs do not get fancier than this right here. The latest technology here to revolutionize your short game with the most aggressive groove design in golf to take spin and control to the next level, generating outstanding feel and precision. I'm just quoting their website. Callaway's our sponsor this weekend. Not that they pay me. Actually, I pay them a lot of money. Don't tell Dave Ramsey, right? But I read that and I thought, okay, well, this will fix my short game. This is it. No more, no more shank in my approach shots. No more three attempts to get out of any given sand trap. Not anymore. Look out, world. Doug Weckenman just got good at golf, except I played with it last week. And on the first hole, I pulled out my Callaway Jaws 60-degree lob wedge. I stood over my golf ball confidently, put on the armor of God, and I thought, what would Tiger do? And I swung through... And I shanked it 85 degrees straight to the right and landed on the fairway of the next hole. And in case you have no idea what that means, just know it's, it's impressively bad. It would be easier to stick the green than it is to do what I just did. And I kid you not, for a split second, I actually thought, stupid club. <laughs> I really did. Oh, I tried that club. Didn't work. No. I didn't work it. I tried the gym. I tried cardio. Didn't work. No, you didn't work it. I tried saving money. I, I, I tried that healthy diet. Ate a kale salad today for crying out loud. It did nothing. I tried that club. It didn't work. No, you didn't work it. Have you heard this? I used to say this. I tried church didn't work. I tried fasting, got hungry, didn't work. I tried reading my Bible for 20 minutes last month, got nothing, it didn't work. Church, you need to hear this. It works, you just need to work it. I'm not surprised you read your Bible once and got nothing, but I would be shocked if you woke up early every morning for a month and took 15 minutes in a quiet place to read it, and by the end of this month, you weren't a happier, humbler, stronger, kinder, wiser, more complete and joyful version of yourself than you are right now, I would be absolutely shocked. You guys, this side of heaven, golf clubs do not get nicer than this. God gave me two words last week, driving range. The club works. You just gotta work it. The cost of a good short game is not $100 for a new club. It's 100 buckets of balls. The legacy mentality makes a commitment to the fundamentals of faith, okay? Acts chapter two says the apostles gave themselves. They devoted themselves to prayer every day. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray continually. Matthew 6 calls the word of God bread. Your soul needs daily, right? Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always, which in the Greek means always, and I could keep going. Craig Rochelle says successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. I'll say it this way. Those who live a life with the power of God in their lives, who seem to see irregular things happen on a regular basis, that group of people 
all they do is pursue God daily in a way the rest of us just do when we feel like it. The fundamentals of faith. Routines eat resolutions for breakfast. I'm telling you, in 2021, you will not rise to the level of your dreams. You will fall to the level of your discipline. Salvation is free. Legacy is not. As Christians, we don't live for the quick fix sermon or book. We're not crossing our fingers and and hoping to change overnight. No, we are committed to growing over time, to live the kind of life that's gonna outlive us. And in order to do that, you need, you need, you need the power of God working in you and through you. Prayer works. You just gotta work it. The church is for you. You just need to give yourself to it. If one church service a month is not changing your life, it's because it's not designed to. Your soul's gonna get very hangry if it gets fed once a month, right? The legacy mentality, a constant quest to live a life that outlives you. By the power of God, you need that for the kingdom of God. The power of God is on tap. How do you access it? A commitment to the fundamentals of faith. The club works. You just gotta work it, amen? Amen. All right, and number two, here we go. You just gotta risk it. You just gotta work it, and you just gotta risk it. The cost of a legacy, I love this right here. The cost of a legacy is the price of your security, That's tweetable. The cost of a legacy is the price of your security. The history of Christianity is followers of Jesus, you guys, constantly risking it all, leaping into the unknown, right? Stepping out into the places and the spaces where they did not stand a chance if God did not show up and come through. The apostles, so many times in the rest of Acts, if you go read it, faced jail time and death threats to the left and to the right. And do you want to know what they did? They went and they prayed for more boldness to keep taking risks. I wanna show you Acts 4.29 in the message. Take care of their threats, God, and give us, give your servants fearless confidence in preaching your message as you stretch out your hand to us in healings and miracles and wonders done in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Christianity thrives when human beings are desperate for God. It is a very, very common story for companies and churches to to risk it all in the beginning because you have to, but then to find some kind of success and stability and begin to play it safe. This is just human nature. Whether you're a CEO or a parent in charge of a thriving company or you just started a family, as soon as you got something to lose, you'd naturally switch from playing offense to playing defense and that is the day you start to get old. Old is not an age. Old is a spirit thing. You can get really old at 27 and you can be 90 and still young. Churches start to die the moment they begin to play it safe. Why? Because you need to need God. You need to need God. Why? Because desperation of God correlates with the presence of God. 
And that's why some of the most powerful worship nights in Denver, I promise you this, have taken place in hospital rooms and not arenas. Because desperation for God correlates to the presence of God. This is how the church in communist China, where it's illegal to gather like this, is thriving and is 100 million strong and growing, right? Desperation precedes breakthrough. There is a beautiful side to the pain of your desperation. Not sure who I'm talking to. Let it drive you to your knees in front of the presence of God. Desperation precedes breakthrough. Think about it this way. If I asked you to come up with $100,000 for me this week, odds are, chances are, you probably wouldn't. But if, God forbid, you had a five-year-old who needed heart surgery this week, and you had, no, you had no medical insurance, make no mistake, you would come up with $100,000 this week. This is how mothers have lifted cars off of their children, because you'd be amazed at what you can do when you have to. I've learned this as a church planner, that desperation is not a problem to be solved. It is a pathway to the supernatural, the power of God at work in your life and in your ministry church. In Austin, we are two years into this thing, two years, and already I could tell you story after story of ways that God has shown up where he is the only explanation, miracles that man could not manufacture, only to be explained by the power of God, desperation, do not waste it. I'm telling you right now, I have never been this afraid and this alive in my entire life, and I will take that combination any day of the week. You just gotta risk it. So what risk is God calling you to take? Because understand, you go to a risk-taking church, which means the legacy mentality is in your blood and your God is not safe. He speaks and hundreds of billions of galaxies are born. He breathes life and love out of his mouth that makes the darkness tremble, right? And he will call you out upon the waters with the sole intention of your feet failing. <laughs> So he can show up and pull you up and walk with you the rest of the way. You were made on purpose for a purpose. And there is something deep in your soul that's actually made and wired not for the road always traveled by. So what risk is God calling you to take? Because Jesus did not save you and call you and anoint you and appoint you so that you could stay the same and never change. So what do you need to do? What about your life needs to, needs to change this year? Rich Wilkerson Jr. says, believers believe, but disciples do. So what do you need to do? Confess that addiction. Cancel that prescription. Show up for recover, right? Cut up that credit card. Ask her out, man. I don't know. Start that diet. Start exercising. Write that book. Start that company. Plant that church. Start giving, start serving, start spending your life for something in a story that's going to outlive your life. I don't know what you have to do. I don't know what you have to do, but I know last January, you said this January. But the legacy mentality is going to cost you your one-day mindset. Today is the day of salvation. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now. Today is the most valuable thing you, like you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Life is a, is a vapor. 
Life is dew on the grass here in the morning and gone before lunch. And as we said in week one, good intentions do not make good legacies. The cost of a legacy is the price of your security. So I'm not sure who I'm talking to, especially right now, but you have been waiting around in the shallows of your faith for years because you think it's safer than it is in the deep end. And you might be right, but you're not gonna find freedom there and you're not gonna experience the entirety of what God has for you there. And maybe, maybe the reason you're not seeing God's power at work in your life is because you actually don't need it. You got to risk it because Jesus does not work as a supplement. He comes as a savior here to be Lord of every part of your life. And it's time to go all in for this thing and find out firsthand. Do not wait another day because if 2020 taught us anything, It's that life is fragile, and the sandcastle kingdoms we spend our lives building for ourselves can crumble with the next wave. Nations can fall apart in less than a month, but there is one kingdom that has foundations that not only are unshakable, but eternal. It is not of human origin. God began it, and nothing will stop it, and it is calling you to let your legacy roll up in it and find your story in the one story that will never be stopped. But rather than show you or tell you, I wanted to show you this video, so enjoy this. In 2018, I had a series of things happen, relationships fall apart, and really finding myself like totally alone. It's, it's that feeling of feeling alone in a room that you just cannot explain. It's just something, it, no one can get you out of it. A long time ago, uh, I, was, I was like super into church when I was like a teenager. So after a while, I kind of developed some distance between myself and my church. You know, by that time, I had fully become an atheist. My mom, she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Luckily, she's recuperated and it's come back and she's recuperated time and time again. And through the whole process, you know, even up until this day, um, she's remained steadfast in her faith. And it's just been like something really incredible to see like her example of someone who had known that I was very distant uh, from, you know, God or any kind of church. I was trying to rediscover the things that I loved again. Playing music, love playing guitar. I don't think my life would be what it is if it wasn't for the guitar. And rediscovering things that I used to love, I mean, I used to love God. What happened? I had hired this person named Amy. I remember when she told me about Red Rock, she was so excited. At the beginning, I was kind of like, okay, whatever, like, stop it, I don't wanna talk about it. But eventually her and I would like have little discussions and, you know, I wouldn't contribute too much, I would just listen. You know, one day she was just like, you know, like you should just come. She extended the invitation. I was like, well, it's rude not to go if she, you know, invited me. Doug was preaching and at a, at a certain point, I just like tuned him out. Like I was just like, I went into this moment where I just realized all of the signs throughout the years 
of how God has been in my life and corrected course and guided me. Literally every single moment was rushing through my brain at that moment. I was just like, oh. I was just like, I can't let this go again. My life can never go back to the way that, that it was. But I was so lucky to have Amy in my life. I was so lucky to have Jennifer, who's now my wife, in my life, you know, talking to me because I'm a stubborn person. And Amy being like, you need to join the worship team because you're a very good guitar player. I've heard you, doggo. You need to join the worship team. I was like, well, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it right. So I gotta volunteer, I gotta serve. Cause I'm the type, if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna go all in, right? At first, obviously, very toe, but now I'm in, right? I joined the worship team and I've been on it for about 18 months. And it's really special to be able to do something that you love with people who also love to do that thing for a purpose bigger than yourself. And it's so rare to find that, especially in an age that feels so disposable. The ability to use a talent that I have to build a community that invites people in to change their lives is, is incredible. And I owe everything to uh, God. I owe everything to uh, my friends. And it's like 15 years ago, I would have never thought I was here. I would be here, but <laughs> it's the happiest I've ever been in my life. Hey, just so you know, Dago's testimony is your legacy. My favorite part of that video, and I'm, I'm not making a joke here, is when he said at some point, while Doug was preaching, I tuned him out, and I tuned God in, and for me, that's just such a sobering reminder. Nobody's ultimately here for music or a message. I mean, those things are great, but those things are avenues. They are conduits to something much, much greater. The presence of God, experiencing God. Dago said, I, Jesus was calling me, and if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really do it. If I'm gonna find out if this works, I'm gonna work it. I'm gonna go all in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna risk it. The legacy mentality is a constant quest to live a life that outlives you by the power of God for the kingdom of God because every other kingdom there is will eventually fade, but God's will not. And so my last question for you, what kingdom are you building? I mean, not the right answer. You know the right answer to that question. I'm being for real. What kingdom are you trying to build? Do you remember the two names I told you to try to remember at the beginning of this service that Gamaliel talked about in front of the Sanhedrin? The guys who tried to build and start their own kingdoms and eventually it all, it all crumbled and came to nothing. The first one, Theodos. Guys, Theodos is not on the internet. He's not on the internet. Historians, theologians, that they say Theodos was a common name. We don't even know which Theodos it was. Judas the Galilean does not have a Wikipedia page, so I don't know. Remember the rich young ruler 
who spent his entire life getting his, building his kingdom, and doing a pretty good job, gained the entire world, but then walked away sad from Jesus, the rich young ruler. You remember him? Do you remember his name? Me neither. Oh, but he was rich, which is, it, it is great. It just won't matter in a hundred years. When Jesus was born, Caesar was emperor of Rome. He was this ambitious tyrant who stopped at nothing, at nothing to future-proof his legacy and build to the known world what was the most powerful kingdom there was. Well, fast forward 2,000 years and Caesar is now a casino or your salad and his once upon a time unstoppable kingdom is now a tourist attraction for the followers of Jesus. Jesus, who by the way, never tried to immortalize himself, never made a statue of himself, never forced a soul to follow him, and yet today his legacy is a global blazing wildfire that cannot be stopped, and he is literally the air all of us breathe, regardless of what you believe about him, regardless of if you like him or not. The torture device they crucified him on is now the most recognizable symbol on the planet and the most popular jewelry pendant and tattoo. John Orpbrook says his, his legacy has swept across history like the tail of a comet, right? The BCAD calendar is based on his life and when he was born, which means every nation and tribe and tongue and religion is telling time based on this little baby who was born in a cave in Palestine 2,000 years ago, you guys. He has influenced modern day art and education and government and medicine and science and walk human origin legacies. Follow the pattern of lingering for a moment and eventually fading. The legacy of Jesus Christ walked with him out of the tomb that he borrowed and has since then become the most unstoppable, powerful force that history knows about, reaching more and more people with each and every passing minute. And right now he's sitting on his throne and he ain't going anywhere until he comes back for all of us. And when he does, it won't be as a baby in a manger. It'll be as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the Bible says on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And so my thought today is, well, then why don't we just do that now? If the mountains bow in reverence, then so will we. If the oceans roar his greatness, then so will we. If the men and women who have come and gone before us are with angels right now praising his name, then so will we. And if that great cloud of witnesses is in God's grandstands cheering us on, wondering what the church of Jesus Christ will do in 2021 and what risks we're gonna take, well then let's give them something to cheer for with a legacy mentality, a constant quest to live lives that will outlive us and be here long after we're gone by the power of God for the kingdom of God, amen? Red Rocks, will you stand? God, we love you so much. Jesus, what you have set into motion, nothing, and I mean nothing, will stop it. 
And so God, I pray that you would dare us. I pray that you would challenge us. I pray that hidden secret place deep in our hearts that you know about, I pray that you'd go straight there and disrupt us, divinely disrupt us with a legacy revelation that says you only get one life, Christian, and tomorrow is not promised. You just gotta work it. You just gotta risk it. Help us, like the apostles, to leap into the unknown and step into spaces where we become desperate for you to show up and move so we can find out firsthand how real you are when you do. In Jesus' name, amen.